my veteran is Walter Battenberg, and uh, he was only 19 when he passed, which was an eye-opener to me, looking through a lot of these records is seeing that many of these veterans were 18, 19, 20, the children, essentially. I do really like, it feels like detective work almost, looking at some of it. I feel like Sherlock Holmes, except American, <laughs> yeah. and uh, without a cool pipe. But um, it, it really mind. does feel, it's more detective work and hunting than I guess I expected. I don't know what I was thinking or not. I guess I wasn't thinking. But um, it's really fun. Um, but there are some things like, for example, I was, I'm sorry if you were in my group the other day when I was like raising my hand very excitedly. Um, <laughs> we were looking at um, the pilot. There was a pilot, or not pilot, he, he was on he was on an airplane, I forget his rank and roll, but there was a crash, and he had died. And you notice later in one of the documents that the father um, and the mother actually named another child his exact mm. same name mm. after his death. I was, I'm looking at this, it, it was like a George Foreman situation, but um, I thought it was very interesting because I hadn't seen that before. I'm like, you're telling me that... This guy unfortunately passed in duty and service and had a sibling that he never knew of because he wasn't born yet with his name. And, I, and that was just one of those things that, I don't know, it just kind of got to me. I, I didn't know what to expect from the Institute, but I saw that and I thought it was very fascinating, very interesting, very sad. Mm -hmm. um, but not something that's ever occurred to me before. The story that really touched my heart was when one of the uh, grad students said that she was doing an oral history and it was with a person who she had studied a person for her biography and for the veteran's biography and when she did the oral history project the one person who who was able to be saved his life was you know of course he was still alive and the, all the other members of the of the um, group were they perished he she happened to interview him not knowing that that was the person that she was interviewing and then when the connections and the bells went off as far as oh my goodness and she was able to get that history for not only the gentleman who was still alive but for all the others who had passed and have a first-hand account. One of the things that was probably most impactful to me and really drove the point home of why we're doing this was Dr. Lyons mentioned that one of her students was doing their undergrad and researching and got contacted that their uncle was found, the remains were found, and I guess the family was not aware of this person. They had forgotten them. Uh, and so that really was impactful to me, thinking that I'm writing this veteran legacy bio to bring this person back to life, and I couldn't imagine there being a family member of my own that I wouldn't be aware of. Um, so just, you know, I really want to try to honor the veteran that I'm tasked with. The work that these three teachers and the rest of their colleagues did during the Institute definitely honored the veterans interred at St. Augustine National Cemetery. If there's anything anyone could take from this podcast series is just that, that these veterans' legacies are honored and memorialized. The context of this conversation has changed a bit from last week. The three teachers that you will meet in just a moment, Alexis Wood, Ryan Dane Rasmussen, and Sharon Forin were in day seven out of 10 in the Institute, just as we were last week. However, the key difference from last week's episode to this one is that I spoke with these teachers once their day was officially over at the Institute. The final two workshops that they went through to close the day were the Florida France Soldier Stories, a UCF Veterans History Project and Model for Your Biography, and Mapping Memories, 
outlining your biography. Trust me, catching them after those workshops made a huge difference in terms of how much they could share with me about their veteran, given that they just spent the last four and a half hours learning more on how to refine it. And it was also just fresh in their heads. Also, another difference to note is the range of grade levels presented in this episode, with two being at the elementary school level and one being at the high school level. So we sort of graduated from where we stood last episode. I guess this makes us a middle schooler if we just merge the two. Anyways, the teacher's going through an entire day's worth of exhaustive, and I mean that as fully encompassing, not tiredness. Instruction is a double-edged sword. I could have easily found myself in a room with uninterested teachers that just wanted to go to their hotel room to rest up. That was far from the truth, which is honestly a testament to this institute, that even after hours, the energy does not waver whatsoever. As soon as I turned on those mics, these three teachers displayed such an excitement towards their participation at the institute and amassing all of that knowledge and all the tools they were receiving. They also showed a deep sense of appreciation for the subject matter they were dealing with. All three spoke about their veterans and the other deliverables to such great detail that the conversation carried a magnetic and intimate energy. It also helped that we were sitting real close to each other since there was no other way to configure a four-person podcast set up in my hotel room. No regrets. We will dive deeper from where we last left off in the series. Taking a closer look at the scaffolding the teachers have to construct with the construction materials provided by the UCF VOP team and creating this engrossing history of veterans for the classroom. We will also go behind the professional curtain by seeing how these teachers feel personally elevated by getting to know this human side of history. From the UCF Department of History and UCS Veterans Legacy Program, I'm Sebastian Garcia, and this is Episode 4 of the 2023 UCF VOP Institute Podcast Series. To bring this person back to life. Hello, everyone. This is Sebastian Garcia, and this special edition of Night's History Cast live at the 2023 UCF VOP Institute is brought to you by UCF's Veterans Legacy Program, a partnership with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the VA, National Cemetery Administration, the NCA. A special thanks to those agencies for the generous grant that made this significant, transformative, and necessary institute possible. Also, a special thanks to the Florida National Guard for hosting the 2023 UCF VLP Institute. That's where you all have been for the past couple of days. Um, today was my second day there and where I recorded the first three podcasts of the day at the historic St. Francis Barracks. This year's institute is a 10-day workshop for K-12 teachers across the state of Florida to create VLP classroom projects for their students. By learning through the successful pedagogical model developed over the years by UCF faculty, graduate, and undergraduate students, these teachers will leave the institute with the necessary approach and tools to expand veterans' history beyond the university campus and into the K-12 classroom. And I have the pleasure to talk with some of those teachers during my time here at the institute. With me right now is Sharon, Alexis, and Ryan. Thank you for taking the time out of the busy day, especially now after hours for the listeners we are recording in my hotel room. Um, so I very much appreciate you this little sacrifice to just talk to me for a bit. Before we start with my questions, I would like for each of you to introduce yourself briefly, 
uh, what school you teach at, what grades or grades you taught or are currently teaching, and so forth. So we'll start with you, Sharon. Okay. I am from Brevard County. My name is Sharon Voriand, and I teach at Enterprise Elementary, which Brevard County has a K through six in the classrooms. And I'm in, we are departmentalized, so it's ELA and social studies is my gig. And this is, I just finished my 29th year teaching. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. Um, my name is Alexis Wood. I teach in Orange County at Azalea Park Elementary, where I teach fourth grade, all subjects. And uh, this will be my ninth year in education. Congratulations as well. Thank you. My name is Ryan Dane Rasmussen. I've taught for five years in Orange County, Wakaiva High School, Freedom High School. I've taught law studies, court procedures, U.S. world history, human geography, wherever I'm pointed at. <laughs> Thank you again for being here with me. And also, I um, before we start, I want to note that this is the first time I'm having K through 12 teachers featured on this podcast. And I just want to give a special shout out to you guys as well, because I really value the work and dedication you put into the profession. Uh, I'm very grateful to have a, I'm still close to some of my K through 12 teachers back home in Miami. So um, you guys have an invaluable impact on students. So I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. All right. So my first question, very simple. What drew you into attending this year's UCF VOP Institute? Well, I'll start. I saw the email about it and something I've wanted to do in my career is get into curriculum development. So I saw that one of the things we had to do is create a lesson plan that other teachers would use. And I thought that'd be a great way to work on my skills. And I do like history, but I'm not a big war history person, but now I am. So that was kind of my foray into this, was the curriculum side. Well, I just saw UCF VLP, and I love acronyms that I don't understand. So I signed <laughs> Um no, I have a friend, uh, Catherine Thurlow, who kind of informed me, like, hey, there's this program that's going on, and uh, I think you'd be interested. Um, it's very cool, and I like a very co- I like very cool things. Uh, and I did some reading on it, and it's uh, I do like military history, um, but I think the military history that I like to read is ancient. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but America wasn't around back then. So um, <laughs> I don't know a lot about American military history, more than the average Joe. But uh it was an opportunity to learn something new, see some new places. I've never been in a National Guard barracks before, so uh, I think I thought that was the interesting part to me. And I, too, I really like the idea of writing curriculum and teaming with other educators because when we get together, there's, I mean, even on our lunch breaks, we're like, and talking to each other, and that interface is so important for all the people and, and the kids, most importantly. And, you know, uh, something that... It's the top of my list in my questions, and I'm going to ask it right now. It's why are you interested in learning and then teaching veterans history? And my second part to that question is why do you think it's significant for the K through 12 level to know that history? Well, there's a heart connection for me because my dad was active duty for more than 20 years and then worked civil service and retired after 47 years of service. So I was one of the folks that went to nine different schools in 12 years, but I saw it as a plus because, in fact, I got to meet new people, go to new places, was born overseas. So it just was a nice connection with the heart. As far as why I like to would like to learn more and grow with learning about veterans instruction is because I think I used to teach in Okaloosa County, which has a, a base right by it. And so military life is very 
it's just part of the culture there, where there are many places where kids don't understand what the sacrifices are of the veterans in their families. And that's what I wanted to be able to do more of. Yeah, I have a lot of veterans in my family, too, and I'm not very connected with their stories. And I wish that I had asked questions sooner. Some of them are not around to to ask about. So I wanted to bring life to some veterans and kind of bring them back and be able to tell their story. And I feel like the kids need to see the human side of history. And so telling these stories is going to be an essential way for them to connect in that way. A lot of the students also need to, they think um, Florida like didn't exist. <laughs> um, even so it's like it's on a map but as far as history in Florida is concerned Florida doesn't have history to a lot of them it's just like this black hole that doesn't exist um, it's a, like the waters receded and it popped out of the ocean as soon as they were born and then it was never there before that and uh, as far as they're concerned never did but um, it has been here and there have been people here and things happening here more before they were born than afterward for sure and uh, I think it's good to learn about that. And this is just one aspect of that military history. There's all kinds of other things I'd like to dive into besides military history for Florida as well. This is just one slice of the pie. And what you said, Alexis, about the human element, that is a big, significant theme. Um, whenever I am talking to people about veterans history or military history in general, when I first interviewed some of the, the faculty at UCF that's responsible for creating this program, like Dr. Lyons, Dr. Giroux, Jim, Mary, um, all those folks, that was a big theme in that podcast of just bringing the mm -hmm. human element. Because oftentimes, and I could speak to this because in my four years of undergrad learning history, oftentimes you, we forget that there's real people behind the pages that yes. actually lived this story, these stories and that experience, you know, the joy, but also the trauma of the past. Yes. And with veterans history, it's, it's apparent. It's like right there. You can't ignore it. You can't like pretend it doesn't exist, that human part. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And Ryan, the Florida part. Yes, I can't agree with you more. Um, I'm born and raised in Florida and I have never taken a Florida history class through the K through 12 system. It's a, a huge disgrace, honestly, to the education system here in Florida, because I feel like everyone in the state that lives here should know the history of the state. We did not just, like you said, exist out of nowhere or, you know, like other people say, Disney didn't create us. You know, there's a history before <laughs> Disney. Um, so I, I agree with you, with you both. My next question is, talk to us a little bit about some of the deliverables you have been tasked with completing during this institute. So let's first... Since I know it's three big ones, let's let's go through step by step. Let's first talk about the veteran bio. So just share with us some details of the veteran you you've been working with. Okay, so my veteran is Walter Battenberg, and uh, he was only 19 when he passed, which was an eye opener to me. Looking through a lot of these records, is seeing that many of these veterans were 18, 19, 20, the children essentially. I, if I had to fight in a war when I was 18. Ooh, Lord help us. <laughs> um, but he uh, he was only in the service for about six months before he passed. So he was in a plane that went down over Germany. As far as my veteran is concerned, um, his name is Robert L. Garbett Jr. He is a World War II veteran. And I'm still working on a lot of details about some of his early life. I know he was born in Maryland. He's lived in around Maryland, Virginia area. I found a, a couple different addresses. He worked in a... Newport News Shipbuilding, which uh, if anyone isn't aware, they build 
the ships for the Navy. Um, nowadays, they're called Huntington Ingalls. Uh, <laughs> I only know this because I actually used to work uh, at a company that worked with <laughs> them before. So oh. I, I remember reading the, some of the the, oh, wow. the information. I'm like, oh, wait, I know these guys. Right. Oh, hold on. I've talked to these guys before. <laughs> what? Not this guy. But um, he, um, he World War II veteran, so he went into World War II. And he was killed in action during D-Day, the landing in Normandy. Um, for people that are not aware, um, Normandy, D-Day, um, there was multiple beaches that were divided uh, between the different countries as far as who would be targeting this section of the beach to make a landfall in France. And each beach was divided into multiple sectors. And he was in the 116th Infantry Regiment. So they were located um, towards Omaha Beach, Dog Green Sector. I'm still learning a bit more about them. The events surrounding it, I'm sure, is a very chaotic day. Uh, there's a lot of documents to get through. I'm going to be honest that we had several deliverables, and I've been focusing more on the one that's with my partner that we've been doing for the mini tour because I'm kind of like doing a chunk at a time. Right. <laughs> so Garbit, actually, because our mini tour is on World War II, and he is one of the stops on our tour of the cemetery because the fact of, I mean, it's just his story is really intricate and it's it's amazing too that people are still when you talk about you don't ever one of the main reasons why we do this is because we don't want anyone to be forgotten right and there's a there people are coming to his gravesite and others as well and leaving different uh, memorabilia for him on his headstone because of the honors and the things that he did to save others and you know you just mentioned the mini tour so let's let's go through that deliverable. So share with us some details on some of the planning that goes behind that. Um, what have you learned in this institute that has prepared you for that? And how do you plan on applying it in the classroom? So my group's mini tour is on the Seminole Wars. And something that was very important to us was giving the Seminole perspective on the wars because what they were doing was fighting for their home. And uh, the settlers were the ones that were invading. And often history is told from the white perspective instead. So we wanted to also give a woman's perspective. So we're highlighting some wives that are buried in the cemetery who had, uh, you know, major generals as husbands who fought in the wars. So we wanted to give a lot of different perspective. And that's something I think is essential to bring into the classroom is that there's not just one side of history that there's a million sides to it and it's very nuanced so we're trying to present all of the sides in our short mini tour <laughs> it's a lot to accomplish <laughs> i agree too and i think you have to go slow to move fast because there's a lot of research and deep diving in primary and secondary sources and you have to call out those things that really have the most imp i mean it's all important but you only have so much in which you can put on the slides and the information because the the deliverable is supposed to be within one period. And the idea is that they can either have it as a, a virtual, quote unquote, field trip, or that that could be used if someone came as a field trip in person and walked the site. For our group, for our mini theme tour, we're doing um, generational conflicts. I love generational anything. Um, <laughs> if it's just like across, uh, it doesn't have to be generational trauma. It can just, it can <laughs> right. just be just like relationships between like grandparents, children, and their children. Right. Cause sometimes people like they become their parents. Sometimes they break away. Sometimes they become like their uncle or their aunt based on their relationship with their parents. And, um, so we're looking at a, a family, the Rake family. 
the earliest veteran that we're looking at uh, fought in the American Civil War on the Union side, came on down to Florida. And there are three other veterans in the family that we're also taking a look at across three total generations that fought not just him in the Civil War, but his son fought in World War One, and other members have fought in World War Two and the Korean War. Uh, they've, they've fought in a lot of American wars. And I think it's kind of really interesting to see, like, did your family have an impact on why you enlisted in some way? Why? Um, how do their experiences differ across all those years? Because that's, that's a lot of years. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also, I agree with you where the, the generational, you know, looking at things through generations is very interesting to me, too. I like how in yesterday during the keynote talk that Dr. Heather Venable gave, that she she didn't show the video, which would have been cool, but she did show like the thumbnail of the video of um a veteran from World War Two and a veteran from Afghanistan mm-hmm. and just a conversation that they had. I mean, I, I, I'm going to see that video soon um, because I think that's fascinating. I think it's really telling, too. You could learn a lot about the generations, not only differences, but similarities just by having that simple conversation between or in your case, researching the different, you know, their lives and how that went about through this mini tour. So my next question, so the next deliverable is the lesson plan, which is something you both have mentioned that it's something that you're looking forward to, kind of the reason that pulled you into this institute in the first place. So just talk to me about the lesson plan. How has this institute prepared you for it? What new things have you learned from this experience that you just can't wait to apply in the classroom for your students? Something that I really wanted to bring into my classroom was primary sources and I work with fourth graders, and so a lot of people are, I'm doing uh, the Vietnam War as my lesson plan. So a lot of people are like, ooh, Vietnam War and fourth graders, like, yikes. <laughs> but I'm interested in that because I don't want to shy away from, from history and right. keep things from them. But I want to give the students the ability to be able to go through primary sources and derive meaning from that and kind of create their own stories. So my lesson plan is what's called a DBQ, a document-based question. So it, the overarching question is going to be how were women involved in the Vietnam War? And we're going to be taking a look at some who were housewives on the home front and then, of course, some veterans and then what they went on to do afterward. And I think just the students being able to interact with real documents is way more impactful than just giving them a newspaper article or some sort of general thing for them to peruse. I agree. And um, mine actually started last year, my uh, cohort and I, we read a story called Restart, which is about a child who gets amnesia when he gets hit by uh, playing a football game. And he comes to befriend, and he wasn't the nicest guy at the beginning, the the child wasn't, he was all into all kinds of trouble. And as part of a requirement for being in trouble, he was supposed to be a retirement home and help volunteer his time. And even though because of the fact of the head injury and, and the amnesia, which would come back later, he befriended a person who was a Medal of Honor winner who was kind of a crusty old soul, a Korean war veteran. And he befriends him. And, you know, you talk about, you know, the plot and how a plot in a story. Mine's all about integrating reading and poetry within the context and, and biographies, too, as they do research. But um, I see that sometimes, even with my own family and, and extended family, sometimes younger kids are afraid to talk to people who have some age on them. Yes. And <laughs> it's very sad because that's where the true history and stories are. 
And that's how they, like you said about generation to generation, that's so important and impactful. And I truly believe that if we do not look at our past, we will make sometimes the same mistakes that we have in our past. Mm-hmm. And in order to build a better future, we need to know our past. So it's kind of that, that that's the, the crux as far as that story is the starting point. And then just really talking about the life skills, the honesty, the integrity, the courage that not only the veteran has to show, but also the families who are waiting and left behind and sometimes don't get to see them ever return. So that's where my focus is. That's something interesting just to add on to that. I, When I was first thinking about my DBQ project, I was thinking more of women veterans. And then my research team brought up, well, what about women that were back at home and telling those stories of waiting and hoping Mm -hmm. and then perhaps, you know, their loved one not coming back. I think those stories have to be told. I think I like the annotation. I want them to annotate. I want them to analyze things more than anything. I want them to talk about it. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things in teaching law studies and court procedures is giving them absurd scenarios just absolutely ridiculous and some of them are real mm-hmm. but, but but some of them i'll just make up on my own just because it's, it's not about whether it really happened it's about applying it to like a real life like a situation that could in theory happen how right. does the law work here right and i want them to come up with like um an opinion an observation something that they can be like i believe this here's why but they got to say why and defend it and sometimes there is necessarily no right or wrong on certain things but i want them to analyze it but be able to debate it and defend positions mm-hmm. of things, not argue. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want none of that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but I need them to do it properly and actually for, be able to form and critically form opinions. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time you see in the room, they sometimes go along with the flow and things. And I don't want them to do that. I want them to have a belief and stand up for that. And when they read their primary sources, it's, well, it's something that really took place, someone that really existed. Why don't you make observations about their life and make ideas about it? That's so important because I just finished a professional development on like the Constitution and how our country started and civil discourse is so important. And in today's world, we need to make sure that it's okay to share your your thoughts and your feelings on a particular point. Have the information, though, to back up the reasons why you believe that and have the ability to actively listen. I always tell my kids, listen with your eyes, your ears, and your whole heart and give your undivided attention. And don't think that you're there to win something. Think that you're there to get other points of view in order to make a better decision. And mm-hmm. so I love what you're saying. Yeah, civil discourse is important for, I think, all all students to engage in, even in elementary I teach fourth grade, they're 10 years old, in eight short years, they're able to vote. Mm. And in eight short years, they're not given a lot of time to learn what it is to be a citizen and an active citizen at that and aware of things and to know that history and news is not just black and white, Mm -hmm. that you need to apply critical analysis and thought to that. And those skills can start building young. Yes, 100% agree. That's a great point. I never really thought of it that way. Where, like the eight years, I'm like, damn, you're right. That's not that <laughs> yes, much time. It is not. <laughs> yeah. So 100% beautiful points all across the board. A significant benchmark of this institute is to continue to expand your knowledge on veterans history. But more importantly, utilize the methodologies you've been learning in this institute and apply it in the classroom. So just talk to me a little bit about some of the 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 really I don't want to say technical because that carries a ne- kind of a negative connotation, but some of the tools that you have been learning um, throughout this institute that 
will really be useful to you when you start applying these lessons and these stories in the classroom? I think one of the big takeaways that I learned and then hopefully my students will learn is that a lot of history and historical records (laughs) are not as clean cut as you want them to be. Lots and lots of errors um, and how to sift through that and maybe from that take more care in their own things so that it doesn't happen to them. Because one day, you know, we won't be here and maybe somebody will be researching us. And so just trying to kind of keep that all together and and figuring out, okay, misspellings and who is this person? And there's so much overlap between so many people through researching. We can find what we think is our veteran and then, nope, somebody completely different, even though they were in the same time period, same name. It's very interesting. Yeah, we're talking about teaching students today let me tell you uh, 1920 if i could go back 1920 first thing i do is grab that census guy and teach him basic writing and math skills <laughs> yes um there is there is i don't know what this man's name is but i'm gonna find him he's, he's on someone else's census somewhere yeah. uh, <laughs> there's um there's some inter you, you really gotta look hard at some of it mm-hmm. yes the handwriting mm-hmm. oh my gosh handwriting <laughs> skills are important guys yes they are Another thing that inspired me was not only the research and that close reading eye, but the idea of having the oral interviews. And, you know, that's just so important um, as far as I'm not using the right word, the the oral history. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that, um, and knowing how to ask the questions so that way their story is told and people feel in a comfortable setting. And because when because that story they know because they lived it. Talk about a primary source, right? You know, it's from the horse's mouth, and and that really inspired me to try to get my students when I go back to do a project like that. Of course, it won't be to the same scale, but something like that. So yeah, after we learned a little bit more about oral history and we watched a veteran recounting his time in the service, it made me want to incorporate that into my lesson. Because it was so impactful. There was a couple sniffles and tears from me and others. Um, But that was really where we could feel the history. 100%. So you you all have been at this institute now for for a couple days. Uh, What's some of the things that have uh, really surprised you the most in terms of you had no idea you were going to learn this and you're glad that you did? And just... My side. My next question to that is, what are what's been some of your favorite moments thus far at the institute? I think the perseverance in trying to sift through these resources, <laughs> and the inspiration I've gotten from that to even look into my own history, my family's genealogy, and noticing issues in that um, names written wrong or translated wrong. So that's been a big aha. And then, of course, the biggest one for me is just seeing the the ages of all these veterans and this ultimate sacrifice. I know we all say that, but really seeing 18, 19 on these internment records is, it's wild to think about. They, they didn't even get to begin their life before they gave it for the country. I do really like, it feels like detective work almost looking at some of it. I feel like Sherlock Holmes, except American (laughs) and uh, without a cool pipe, (laughs) but um, it it really does feel it's more detective work and hunting than, I guess I expected, I don't know what I was thinking or not. I guess I wasn't thinking, but um, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some things like, for example, I was, I'm sorry if you were in my group the other day when I was like raising my hand very excitedly. Um, <laughs> we were looking at um, the pilot. There was a pilot or not pilot. He, he was on, he was on an airplane. I forget his rank and roll, but there was a crash and he had died. 
And you notice later in one of the documents that the father um, and the mother actually named another child his exact same name mm. after his death. I was, I'm looking at this. It, it was like a George Foreman situation. But um, I thought it was very interesting because I hadn't seen that before. I'm like, you're telling me that this guy unfortunately passed in duty and service and had a sibling that he never knew of because he wasn't born yet with his name. And, I, and that was just one of those things that, I don't know, it just kind of got to me. I, I didn't know what to expect from the Institute, but I saw that and I thought it was very fascinating, very interesting and very sad. Mm -hmm. um, but not something that's ever occurred to me before. And I think it is more the collaboration across the pond, so to speak, too. Dr. Lyons spoke about her work with working with those who've lost, who aren't here, who we've lost, who aren't here in the States buried, but overseas in France. And she told a beautiful story today about one who had been buried in France, and then the other brother had passed away in service, but on the way like to a, a, a camp to practice for, for maneuvers and stuff like that, I believe. Mm -hmm. And when he was buried, they, the family wasn't able to have a headstone. So it took 75 something like yes. plus years in order to have a headstone on his grave to honor him as well. And it was just a beautiful experience. It's, it's an important thing. You know, sometimes you think of, because you hear all the stories, you know, oh, let's go on a tour for this or whatever. Or kids, you know, a cemetery is a very calm, peaceful, beautiful place in which to honor people who did, the, like you said, the ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's, it's, it's just, that's, that's the neat thing that I took away from it. It's not a scary place. Right. And people should visit and see and honor them. Right. A hundred percent. Yes. And today specifically, out of the three things that happened today, underrepresented Americans, how veterans history illuminated their lives. And then what you were just talking about, the Florida France soldier stories, which was my introduction to this whole world of UCF veterans legacy program. That's where I, I met Dr. Lyons. I was never her student yet probably <laughs> um but i did a podcast with them about that and so yeah the story you just told i'm very familiar with and it's very moving very touching one of my favorite podcasts i've done to this day and then you ended the day with just mapping you know your biography so just talk to me about today and what are some things you would like to share with me in the audience today one of the things that was probably most impactful to me and really drove the point home of why we're doing this was Dr. Lyons mentioned that one of her students was doing their undergrad and researching and got contacted that their uncle was found, the remains were found, and I guess the family was not aware of this person. They had forgotten them. Uh, and so that really was impactful to me, thinking that I'm writing this veteran legacy bio to bring this person back to life, and I couldn't imagine there being a family member of my own that I wouldn't be aware of. Um, so just, you know, I really want to try to honor the veteran that I'm tasked with. That's something that actually weighed down and hit me today. I'm like, oh, there's, I mean, obviously I know it's a real guy and everything, but like suddenly yeah. today I'm typing this up. I'm like, doo, 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 doo. oh, wait, I better, got, I hope I got this right. Let me triple check. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait a second. It's like, it's not that I'm not checking these things, but it just I just had like this very like big moment I had. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a real guy. There's real people that still live that know this person. I'm gonna get called up and get a very angry voicemail. Right. Um, I mean, that that shouldn't be the worst of my fears. The worst of my fears should be getting dishonoring this person, which I don't want to do. Um, right. But it just kind of 
hit me today really hard. That's the truth. That we have to take a lot of care with this. Yeah. And thankfully, it's vetted too. So that way, if we do make a mistake, of course, by accident, but, but I think that we've we've been taught a lot about how to make sure that you cross-reference. And one gentleman who who has worked with the program said, you have to say, how can I prove this wrong? So that way you're making sure that the information you have is correct and you're not picking up on another person with the same last name and combining them. The story that really touched my heart was when one of the uh, grad students said that she was doing an oral history and it was with a person who she had studied a person for her bio, biography and for the veteran's biography. And when she did the oral history project, the one person who who was able to be saved, his life was, you know, of course, he was still alive. And all the other members of the of the um, group were they perished. He she happened to interview him not knowing that that was the person that she was interviewing and then when the connections and the bells went off as far as oh my goodness and she was able to get that history for not only the gentleman who was still alive but for all the others who had passed and have a first-hand account yeah the stories are just they're truly like at least from my perspective you know again i've been doing this now i met the team in november and so it's been eight months or so and, you know, every time I hear more and more stories, it's like, wow, I, I keep getting floored. You know, mm-hmm. I thought that I was already floored. No, again, I'm getting floored. And it's just, again, it it's just um, it's a combination of all the things we've been talking about now for the past probably 30 minutes or so uh, of the human element, the honoring them, you know, the generational, you know, all the things we've kind of been discussing. And when you hear the whole story, it kind of just hits you all at once. And at least in my opinion, I think that's what makes the work you guys are doing in this institute and the work that they've been doing for years so impactful and significant. My final question, this has been going great. Um, I really appreciate it. What's the biggest takeaway that you will get once you leave St. Augustine? That I want to take more time to learn about history and specifically my own family history, talking to the elders in my family who are still around and trying to really nail that down. And I would love to create a family tree and then tell the stories of not just the veterans in my family, but everybody in my family. Things have changed so much. We grew up, I grew up in a technological world, very different than the one my grandmother did. So just even finding out how was life different then, you know, I think I have an idea, but truly hearing it from her perspective, that's what I want to do is dive more into my family. I think one of the takeaways is to, like you said, dive deeper in the historical facts, because that's one thing that's really cool about this project and the whole VLP is that you have the primary, and I keep on saying primary and secondary sources, but a lot come from the military as far as their the rules in which they had at different time periods, which actually is shocking in some of the things that were allowed and not allowed just because the fact of certain groups that were less represented or the forgotten group. And I think it's important that everyone remembers and knows the whole history and that we still have a ways to go. Mm -hmm. Takeaways. For anyone that 
like listens and hasn't been to the St. Augustine Cemetery, I don't know what size people are imagining right now, but take a second and think about it and you're wrong. Um, <laughs> it's, I, I didn't give you a second, but um, you're wrong. Um, it's small. <laughs> if, I, if you can allow me to use a house as a unit of measurement, as we do, <laughs> um, it's only like a couple of houses long and like a house and a half wide. Um, whatever that measurement's worth. It's not large. No. Um, it's very small. So you have people that have dedicated like their lives to researching people that are buried there and where they came from. We have here just for the, like these few days working on this, but preparing work for it. That's just a that's a very small piece of history in general. That's 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 small. Not, not to d- diminish anything, but like the interviews you were talking about earlier, you, you gotta you gotta talk to people before you don't have the time to do that um, before it's gone forever and it's it's always slipping through your fingers it's always slipping it's always slipping and this is just one little tiny piece of military history of the united states and this one little tiny point in time in human history there's a lot out there and it's never going to get learned all of it we never will but it doesn't mean don't do it Mm -hmm. um i think it's really valuable what's happening here it's just one small effort among a billion i guess my takeaway is that it's insurmountable but it's worth it 100%. Agree. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you, Sharon, for taking the time out of the day after hours here at the hotel to talk with me about your experiences and your takeaways and just in general, this grand VOP event. I really appreciate it. This was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On the next episode of the 2023 UCF VOP Institute podcast series. I'm getting a better understanding of how to really analyze what I'm looking at as opposed to just like, oh, I'm just reading something. Now I'm like, is this this and what is this? And copious notes taking is. (laughs) But, But once you do that, you realize that these were battles that weren't just bombs. These were people fighting in these battles. This, you know, because, you know, we always talk about a battle and it just goes on. You don't realize how many people were there and how much yes. logistics and armament and everything. And in these military histories, you get a good taste of that. I think the way to memorialize these brave men and women is to talk about them. That's, that's, where, that's where their legacy really is is the acknowledgement that, that they did a great job and they um, gave their life for this country. But not just them, as Holly pointed out, it's the families. Oh, and the families as well, you yeah. Know, because one of my duties before uh, I retired was being in charge of a reserve station in Tampa, and one of the things we had to do is make the casualty calls. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell you, that is one duty that I dreaded, and I only did it once, and I was, I was a typical sergeant major. I made my rest of my Marines do it all the time. I I did it once and that was enough for me because looking into that mother or father or or wife's eyes and telling her, no. This episode was directed, produced, written, edited, and hosted by me, Sebastian Garcia, and featured Sharon Foran, Ryan Dane Rasmussen, and Alexis Wood. Executive producers are me, Sebastian Garcia, and Dr. Amelia Lyons. The 2023 UCF VOP Institute podcast series is brought to you by the UCF Department of History and UCF's Veterans Legacy Program, a partnership with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs National Cemetery Administration.